If you have your Bible with you this evening, would you open it to Luke chapter 22? Luke chapter 22. As we come to the Lord's table this evening, there's something that has been on my mind that I've been uh, meditating on this week as I was preparing for this night. And it is those words that Jesus said, this do in remembrance of me. Let's read Luke 22 verses 14 through 20 and I'll explain to you how that's been on my heart this week. Luke 22 verse 14 says, And when the hour was come, he sat down and the twelve apostles with him. And he said unto them, With desire, I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say unto you, I will not any more eat thereof until it be fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took the cup and gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it among yourselves. For I say unto you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God shall come. And he took bread and gave thanks and brake it and gave unto them, saying, This is my body which is given for you, this do in remembrance of me. Likewise also the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood which is shed for you. Let us pray. Dear Lord, once again, it is our heart's desire to draw near to you through your word and through this table of communion. Father, we know that we have approached this table oftentimes throughout our Christian journey. And I fear that the danger is that we may come to take it for granted. This evening, Lord, I pray that you would give us fresh eyes to see, to remember what it's all about and uh, to draw us into fellowship with you. Father, I pray and ask that you would fill me with your Holy Spirit, that you would help me to preach your word this evening. And Lord, may we draw near to you, I pray in Jesus' name, amen. As you think about what Jesus said that night, when he instituted the Lord's Supper, this do in remembrance of me. Clear statement that he wanted us to uh, observe this act and calls it to remember something. And what has been on my heart this week is just a, a rephrasing of that uh, that I think really sums it up, and that is remember Jesus. Remember Jesus. You know, I think that as we go through our Christian life and we begin to learn the theological side of it, right, when we first begin it, it's very much relational. We see Jesus, his death for us. We see ourselves in sin. We accept him for who he is. And then we get saved and we begin going to church and reading our Bible and we begin to learn all of these things about God being eternal and about substitutional atonement and about the resurrection and regeneration. And sometimes once we grow in that knowledge, our personal relationship side suffers and we come to something like this this do in remembrance of me and we start thinking theologically about it all yes we are observing the Lord's Supper we're thinking about the atonement that was made and the danger I think that is there is that we just we forget about Jesus that Jesus is the atonement 
Jesus is the one who secured our salvation. Jesus is the one who died on the cross for our sins. Uh, it, it helps me to focus my heart on what we're doing because I don't ever want to, uh, to, to make this routine. I don't want to make it mindless. I don't want to make it meaningless. Uh, every time we come to the Lord's table, I want it to be a real encounter with the Lord. I want it to be something that draws us in. The entire purpose of observing communion is to remember Jesus and to remember what he did for us and to refresh our memories and to deepen our love for him. And so let's come to this familiar scene in Scripture and take a fresh look. First, we notice Christ's desire to have communion with his disciples. Christ's desire to have this communion with his disciples. In the text, verse 14, uh, 15, Jesus said, with desire, I have desired to eat this Passover. He begins by saying, this is something I have desired. This is something I have looked forward to. And again, I think that sometimes we, we, we focus so much on the deity of Christ, that He is God, that we put Him at a distance from us and we forget that He had feelings and that He loves us in a very real way. And Jesus comes to His disciples with all sincerity and He says, I have desired, I have been looking forward to this moment right here before I suffer. Before I go to that cross, before I ascend into heaven, I have desired to have this communion with you. The occasion of this communion is important because it happens on the night of the Passover or the Passover meal. The Passover was the most holy holiday in the Jewish religious calendar and it commemorates God's deliverance of the people of Israel from his last judgment in Egypt. And so as we frame it in the context, what's going on here first is the Passover. And Jesus says, with desire have I desired to keep this Passover with you. And they are celebrating what God did for them through Moses, through the plagues. And you and I have to remember that that judgment was coming on the entire land of Egypt. And it was a judgment of death. It was the death of the firstborn. Now it did not matter if it was the firstborn of an animal or the firstborn of a human. It did not matter if it was the firstborn of an Egyptian or the firstborn of a Hebrew. Death was coming to every house that night in Egypt. And as you and I remember, God said, look, take a lamb to your house, sacrifice the lamb, dip the, dip, dip the hyssop in the blood and strike it on the lintel and on the doorposts. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. What is he passing over? He's passing over judgment on that house. The only thing that kept the judgment of God from coming to the Hebrew houses was not the supernatural division that God had done on the previous plagues where he separated Goshen from the land of Egypt. This night, it was the blood. It was the blood of the Lamb. What is noteworthy is that this Passover meal was traditionally eaten with family. If I could take you back to Exodus 12, I would read to you verse 3. It says, Speak unto all the congregation of Israel... 
saying, In the tenth day of this month they shall take to them every man a lamb according to the house of their fathers, a lamb for an house. And so as the Passover was instituted in Exodus 12, it was instituted into which a family would share that Passover meal. And traditionally, this is how it was done, and it is still done to this day. Jewish families will gather for Passover, and they will have a Passover meal. And the eldest or the patriarch of the family is the one who is the head, who leads the ceremony of that Seder meal. But here, in the scene before us, it is Jesus and his disciples, which begs the question, why would the Messiah who came to fulfill all righteousness, who came to do it by the letter of the law, why would he celebrate the Passover without any family? We know that he had family. His mother is still alive. He has brothers who are still alive. He is the patriarch of the family. At this point in time, Joseph has died. He is gone. Jesus would be the one who would be leading the Passover meal for his family. But what we don't see on this night is Jesus' family. That was not unheard of that the Passover meal was shared with others. But it is provocative for you and I to look into that and say, why would Jesus choose to do it that way? The answer is rather simple, because the disciples are family. That's what it comes down to. With desire, Jesus said to his disciples, I have desired to keep this Passover with you. Jesus has made his disciples family. Think back with me, if you would, when Jesus was told that his mother and his brothers had come to see him, but they couldn't get to him because of the crowd that was surrounding the house. And it says of that in Matthew chapter 12, While he yet talked to the people, behold, his mother and his brethren stood without, desiring to speak with him. And then one said unto him, Behold, thy mother and thy brethren stand without, desiring to speak with thee. But he answered, and he said unto them, that told him, Who is my mother, and who are my brethren? And he stretched forth his hand toward his disciples. And he said, Behold, my mother and my brethren, for whosoever shall do the will of my Father which is in heaven, the same is my brother and sister and mother. Jesus is not being disrespectful to his mom here. Jesus is not insulting his family. He's not turning his back on them. He was revealing that the closest relationship that you and I can have with him is as a disciple. There was no special privilege to being Jesus' mom, regardless, irregardless of what the Catholic Church likes to claim. Jesus said, this relationship, this discipleship relationship is the closest relationship that I can have with anybody. And that relationship makes us family. How you, how you might ask to say, well, how, how? are the disciples' family. I mean, how is that closer than the blood relatives that Jesus had? And the answer was told to us by Jesus when he said that he, uh, he said in John 20, I tell my brethren that I go to my father and to their father, my God and thy God. 
And the answer is that we have the same Heavenly Father. The Lord God Almighty is our Father. And you know what's interesting about that? Is that back in Exodus 12.3, it said, According to their Father's house. That's how you organize for this Passover meal. And so Jesus desired to celebrate this Passover with his disciples because he loved them. They were his family. And you and I are his disciples today. That means that he loves you and he uh, considers you to be family. And so I would say, remember that Jesus loves you. And that he wants to have communion with you. Still, for me, that is one of the hardest concepts to wrap my mind around that the Lord actually wants a relationship with me he doesn't just want my obedience he doesn't just want my followership he doesn't just want my service to him he wants me he wants you he wants to come to the table and have a communion with you and so remember that Jesus loves you and wants to have communion with you. Next, we notice that Christ makes a declaration to have a future communion with his disciples in verses 16 through 18. He says to them, I will not, I will not partake of this again until it is fulfilled in my Father's kingdom. Matthew's gospel gives us a little more detail. Listen to how it is spoken in Matthew's gospel. Jesus says, I say unto you, I will not drink henceforth of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. And so Jesus desired to have this communion with his disciples. He desired to have this night, this moment before he is crucified. And as they are there, he makes a declaration, I will not partake of this again until that day in my Father's kingdom with you. You see, Jesus is making a promise there. Jesus is setting a date. Jesus is saying that he has marked his calendar when he plans to have another communion meal with us, all of his disciples, that day was set 2,000 years ago, and it is still marked on God's calendar. I believe that that day is described for us in Revelation chapter 19, which says, Let us be glad and rejoice, and give honor to him, for the marriage of the Lamb is come. And his wife has made herself ready, and to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white, for the fine linen is the righteousness of the saints. And he saith unto me, Right, blessed are they which are called unto the marriage supper of the Lamb. Know this, Jesus hasn't had that communion yet. Why? Because the kingdom hasn't been fulfilled. Why? Because the bride hasn't made herself ready. Why? Because the church hasn't been called out, in, out of the world into heaven. But there is a day on God's calendar when the trumpet is going to sound. And the dead saints are going to rise first. And we which are alive will be caught up together with them in the air. And we'll meet the Lord in the air. And we will go to heaven with him. And we will have a celebration 
And as part of that celebration, we will come to the table and we will sit like the disciples did then around the table with Jesus as he has made that his plan. And so that means that Jesus is planning to come back for us. That means that Jesus is planning to come back for us and to take us where he is. I had a lady in my church in Colorado, and anytime she would write me a note, she would always sign off by saying, see you at supper. See you at supper. I guess it's kind of a southern way of saying I'm looking forward to the Lord's Supper. There's coming a day when we're going to sit down with the Lord and have that communion again. In Paul's commentary on the Lord's Supper, he said, For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death till he come. And so as we're remembering Jesus tonight, I would say, remember Jesus loves you and wants to have communion with you. And I would say, remember Jesus is coming back for you. He hasn't abandoned you. He hasn't forgotten you. He's not ignoring you. He's not ghosting you. He is coming back for you. And he's going to have another communion where we all sit at the table with him. Lastly, we see that Jesus planned to die for his disciples. And that's why he instituted the Lord's Supper. In some ways, it stands as a new Passover you see, Jesus died to have this communion with his disciples. Verses 19 and 20 says he took the bread and he gave thanks and he broke it and he gave to them saying, This is my body which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. Likewise, also the cup after supper. This cup is the New Testament in my blood which is shed for you. Think about it. This meal means nothing. If there is not a crucifixion. Because it stands as a memorial to Christ's substitutional death and his shed blood. What Jesus does on this night has no meaning if he does not go to the cross. Everything about this meal was to represent what he was about to do for them on the cross. He is about to give his body as a sacrifice. And he's going to allow them to beat him and batter him and whip him and shame him. He's going to allow them to take him and nail him to a cross to puncture his side, to allow his life's blood to shed out so that he can make an atonement for our sins, so that he can pay the price of our sins, so that he can suffer the wrath of Almighty God on our behalf, so that God can pass over judgment on you and I. And I'm telling you communion is meaningless without the crucifixion and so Jesus died to have this communion with them Jesus died to have this communion with you like the Passover lamb an innocent substitute had to be sacrificed it had to give its life to make an atonement for sin so that God could pass over judgment Think about how the Bible tells us that Jesus is the Lamb. When John the Baptist saw him at the baptism, he said, Behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. 
Peter would write, For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things, as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you. How about Isaiah 53? He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter. God could not make it any clearer than he did. In Exodus 12, it is a lamb without spot or blemish, without deformity. And that lamb has to give its life. And it is the blood of the lamb applied to the doorpost of the house that allows the judgment of God to pass over. And in the New Testament, one of the first things that we're told is that Jesus is the lamb of God that takes away our sin. That we are, our salvation is not purchased by silver and gold, but it's purchased by the precious blood of Christ as a lamb without spot or blemish. He is foretold in Isaiah 53 that he is going to be our scapegoat. He is going to be a lamb led to the slaughter and that he is going to be smitten for our transgressions. And I would remind you that in heaven, in Revelation chapter 5, there appears one who is worthy to open the book and how does it describe him? A lamb as it had been slain. We learned this morning that even in Jesus' glorified body, he bears the marks of his crucifixion. Why? Because God can heal those? No, because they're an eternal testament to the fact that it has been paid in full. And that any time that God looks on his son, he sees the sacrificial lamb. The substitute who died for you and I so that we could have communion with him. So remember, Jesus died for you. This is why we come to the communion table tonight. It is to remember Jesus. It's to remember that he took on human flesh. He faced all the hardships of life. He withstood all the insults and the ignorance of the people that he created who didn't recognize him and tried to refuse to acknowledge him. He did not object when they drug him before the council. He did not defend himself when he stood before Pilate. He did not cry out for mercy when they beat him and nailed him to the cross. And as the choir sang, he did not call 10,000 angels when he was expiring. He suffered alone for us. Why? So that we can have communion with him. Listen, communion is not a piece of bread and a cup of juice. Communion is fellowship with Jesus Christ. 
And those things are simply reminders to help us remember Jesus. And so as we approach this sacred table, we need to take the warning that is given to us in 1 Corinthians 11 not to partake unworthily. This is a sacred event. This is a special event. This is an opportunity when we are reminded of what Jesus did for us and we come into communion with him. And so I want us to take a few moments this evening to go to the Lord in prayer, to remember Jesus. I'd encourage you to do this. Before you start confessing any sin or asking God to search your heart, the first thing I would do is I would just start thinking about Jesus. Remember what he did for you. See him suffering and dying for you. And then, then your heart is ready to say, Okay, God, if there's anything in me that shouldn't be here, if there's anything that I've been harboring in my heart that, that would hinder this communion that we have, then please reveal that to me. Cleanse me of it. Let us bow.